Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary. I'm your host, Kyle Gould, and today I am over the moon to sit down with Christine Astop, the director for Front Row Center's forthcoming production of Carrie. Christine has been an integral part of community theater in Calgary with Morpheus, Scorpio, Cappuccino, FRC, and probably countless other community theater companies for the last decade now. With just at FRC, 40 billings across 24 shows since her first show with FRC, My Fair Lady, in 2013. Was your first directing when you were the assistant director for FRC's The Who's Tommy in 2016? It was either that or it was with uh, Cappuccino on Heathers. I can't remember. I think they were in both the same season. But yeah, with, with FRC, definitely The Who's Tommy. It was my first assistant directing gig. And you've caught the bug and you've directed several times since then, as we discussed before the podcast started. Mm-hmm. But I want to bring up a couple of other of your uh, accolades that have uh, since happened in the last 11 years since you started all of this fine, fun uh, journey down the road of community <laughs> theater. You have received four CAT awards and at least eight nominations from what I could count. Uh, 2013 Outstanding Volunteer Award with Morpheus, which I think kicked everything off. Uh, you did <laughs> yes. props for Gondoliers. You did props for Pirates of Penzance. In 2015, the Outstanding Production of a Musical as Producer for Anything Goes. And then in 2016, three nominations for scenic design and assistant directing for the who's tommy and you were also the recipient of the award for outstanding production of a musical for frc's catch me if you can in 2017 you were a nominee for outstanding stagecraft for reefer madness and recipient of the outstanding production of a musical as producer for little shop of horrors which was a great show And it doesn't stop there. It continues on. 2018 nominee for producer of Pajama Game. 2020 nominee for special effects for Night of Living Dead with Scorpio, which I don't doubt is really one of the things that ties us into (laughs) what we're talking about today. Maybe. (laughs) So before we start talking about Carrie Mm -hmm. and all that is that musical, Mm -hmm. let's talk about how you got in with FRC, where things go. Tell me a little bit about your history here. That it ties in directly with Carrie itself. Mm-hmm. So you've had a couple of opportunities to direct and you've done a lot of producing mm-hmm. for, uh, for FRC and for other companies. Um, what brought you into this, uh, this fine, wonderful world of community theater? Just listening to my history, I was like, wow, I've done a lot and not remembered a lot of it too. <laughs> but I'm a big film nerd. So a lot of my sensitivities or whatever um, sort of comes from that. And I used to do theater in high school, but I never really did anything with it, right? As often most of us Here in Calgary or? Yeah. Yeah. Here in Calgary. Like I didn't go to post-secondary or anything. I was an art student. So I remember there was a time, I must have been around 2012, where I was like, I want to learn special effects makeup. So I Googled and then I, I, you know, I found the, the cat uh mailing list Mm -hmm. so i signed up and then there was a call out for morpheus needing some a prop person for a pantomime for aladdin and i was like "Ah, i'll send an email and tim elliott he emailed me back and that's kind of where this whole train started that's amazing (laughs) yeah wow so 
you're a big theater buff, film buff. Mm-hmm. You love movies. Mm-hmm. Think I, I've seen a video of you saying you've seen over three thousand horror films oh, alone. Oh God, you saw and, that. Video. <laughs> and your top twelve horror films. I was sad did not include Carrie in it. I kind of see it's not entirely a horror film, mm-hmm. but there were some in your list of top twelve that I wouldn't have classified as a straight horror film so where does carrie fit in christine's top 12 or top 3000 horror films it depends on which christine you're talking to oh okay obviously like like the flick came out uh, i was what in 76 and i was two so i mean i didn't see it until for uh, until years later but i think carrie i saw it originally as a teenager as we all would and just thought, yeah, this girl is getting her revenge on. And of course, you're an angry teenager. So you're like, yeah, this is great. But because I've always been sort of, I've had an, you know, a love of horror film. That's one of my favorite genres ever. So I found Carrie again later on a rewatch and was really taken by sort of, well, I mean, the feminist in me had a little, a few things to say to Brian De Palma about the male lens of his. But anyway, <laughs> sort of the nuanced themes and all that kind of stuff that goes into it. But really, I like, I like horror movies a lot. So that's kind of, yeah, where Carrie fits. Maybe cool. Not really. I don't so know. So did you approach FRC with Carrie or did FRC come to you with Carrie? I approached FRC with Carrie. And when did that happen? So... <laughs> This staging of Carrie actually has had a bit of a history, much like at FRC the, or yeah, just in at, F- at FRC oh, itself. Great. So, um, back in was it 2020? Yeah. Um, I was directing another show, and they had put their call out for the next season for the 2021 season, and I'd submitted. I always submit Carrie every time I submit something. I'm like Carrie. So you carry. Wait. So, th- like 2020, you submitted it, but how many years before that had you been submitting Carrie? Three or four. Holy five. moly. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. So they finally were like, okay, fine. Christine, you can have <laughs> yeah. what you want. So then the artistic director of FRC at the time was Jeff Diodati. And yep. he was like, okay, we're going to do it. Do you think you can do it? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, it's going to be great. He's like, okay. So it had actually, they had done their announcement for the 2021 season. And right. Carrie was going to be the first show of the season. Yep. And then, you know, a thing happened. <laughs> yeah, COVID sort of you know, stopped that kind of in its tracks, but they were still committed to doing it. And uh, then it was like, okay, we'll do it for 2020, 21, And I was like, okay. And then I was like, I actually had to do some soul searching because, you know, the pandemic. Right. I didn't think I was ready to go back into theater at the time. Okay. So then I was like, like by then Jeremy Walker was the artistic director. Right. And I said to him, I'm like, I, this is a dream show of mine. Like I would love to do the show, but I just don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. And he's like, okay, uh, okay. And someone might have emailed me and said, well, we might not do it, but if you're, if you want to do it, like maybe, you know, just don't, don't, don't throw the idea away quite yet. You're Jim. like, I'm not throwing the, the idea away. Yeah, like, no, 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 I've been no. sitting on this for seven years. Yeah, no, like, it's just like, you know, we still might want you to direct it, Jen Lancio. I see you. But like, if you guys have the rights, you know, like, if you need to move forward with this without right. me, I'm totally good with that. But then they didn't. And then Jeremy right. reached out and said... Because nothing happened. Because so. nothing happened. He said, we want to do it for the 23, 24 season. Are you interested? Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you think maybe in the back rooms at FRC, they said, look, 
Christine's the one who really wants this. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we've said to go yes with this. Let's push it to the next year because Christine seems like she's not super keen on getting back into theater yeah. yet. I, I because think so. we would really, how would we do this without her? Well, I mean, they, they could definitely do it without me. I have no doubt. But uh, I don't. I, 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 mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know you, right? But I do know your pedigree, and I do, and I've done some research. I don't think there is a community theater director mm-hmm. who wants to do Carrie, <laughs> and or who wants to do Carrie to the degree mm. that I think Carrie needs to be done. True. So. Let's talk a bit about Carrie, okay. because this is a crazy musical yes. that in ways like Kinky Boots is kind of the exact antithesis, the opposite of Kinky Boots. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing movie on, an, um, on a really good book that I think was an even better short story, to right. be honest. Yeah. It launched Stephen King's career. Like He wouldn't be a famous writer without Carrie, because it's what carried him into success. Mm-hmm. The movie itself, I think also a great deal as to why Stephen King is successful and famous as well. He's definitely not a very good actor, as you've pointed uh, out. He's much should stay, what did you say, in your in your 2020 film oh no. uh, review, horror movie review? Stay, uh, stay he needs lane. to stay in his lane um, behind the pen, I think, or behind the keyboard. I don't remember which one you'd said. Yeah. That's not an invalid opinion. <laughs> I do love him in Creep Show, though. Like, I'm not going to lie. He's great in the bits that he's done. He's figured out how to inject himself into, like, he's great in The Stand. He's yes. so good in those bit roles where you're like, you didn't really know it was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why they decided to turn it into a musical. I don't know why. The, the gentleman who, whose his name escapes me off the, at the moment, seemed to have this burgeoning immediate need to turn it into a musical. Mm-hmm. And it's bad. The original one? Yeah, yeah. It's so, so bad. Yeah. As I think it was only five performances on Broadway before Eight it previews. Eight previews. And five performances. Yeah. And the numbers showed that if they had gone to a sixth performance, that maybe 18% of the house would have been filled. <laughs> like each successive show of those five shows that they did had 10% less. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even sold out opening night. Mm-hmm. On Broadway. On Broadway. Yeah. So, whoa. <laughs> why do I, why, why? Right? Do I t- like, I, and then they pulled it away. It was gone for years. Yeah. And somebody said, you know, we need to do is rework this. Yeah. I'm still surprised. I'm still I, shocked. And I cannot wait to see what you've done with this. Right. Uh, I know that the newer songs, the ones that have been done, it's, it's like a d- decade old at least now. Yeah, 2012. Um, yeah. yeah. I know that the songs have been redone and that there is a lot of off-Broadway middling success for this show. One might say even cult success. Right? It's kind of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show sort of vibe in that you go to see it for the the panoply and the display of it mm-hmm. as opposed to like anything else <laughs> right the, the original uh production of carrie the musical on broadway obviously it's become a bit of a you know a, not an urban legend because it actually happened but like the, you know everybody said you know oh things could be worse it could be carrie right. i mean i feel like spider-man might have like jumped that a little bit but yeah it was bad like it was very very 80s i mean it was done in the 80s but it was very yeah. of that time and yeah it wasn't good I like an underdog 
that's probably part of it. I am not a happy musical kind of girl. That mm-hmm. is that is not anything that appeals to me. I like musicals with teeth. I, I, I say that because Carrie has maybe like tiny little teeth but i like i like a good story that i don't know if you i think those teeth are like barbed and <laughs> stick into you and they're like the type of teeth that like come out of the gums of the shark so mm-hmm. a new row can come in this this show sticks with you it does and this show is uh graphic and it doesn't end well so it depends on how you look at it right okay sure <laughs> uh, we'll definitely get into that okay. so You've been pitching this show to FRC mm-hmm. for years. Yes. Why? I mean, part of it is it's a horror musical that makes me laugh inside my heart. <laughs> and <laughs> when everybody else is shocked and, oh, and appalled, you're yeah. like, hey. like, I, I really love the. F- <laughs> I is like, it the inner gremlin in you? Is that It, it kind of yeah. is because, well, I mean, so I directed Dogfight uh, yeah. for Front Row Center a few years before that in 1718. And I kind of take pride in the fact that I got the most complaints for four-letter words. And I think it was the first time that the word mother effer was used on stage in a musical for FRC. So wow. I kind of take pride in that kind of stuff. So that's kind that's of where the it's same home as storybook. How dare you defile the stage? <laughs> but I love with it your, so much. With your words. <laughs> I mean, on the surface... The the sordid history that Carrie has as a musical kind of makes me giggle. Like it's and it's not that I'm thinking like, oh, I'm gonna direct Carrie and it's going to be fabulous. I mean, I think it'll be fun, but it's just I like giving shows that I think could be good a chance. Wow. Like in other words, you like a challenge. <laughs> I do like a challenge, yeah. Okay, because um, this show is a challenge. More so than now that we're doing it, yeah, 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 yeah. It really, really is. It really, really is a challenge. Because uh, there are two things that are you cannot not have in the show. Mm-hmm. And that is telekinesis yeah. and a crap ton of blood. Well, you can have the show without blood. It was done off-Broadway that way. Well, you can. Uh-huh. But I feel like like it, the audience's expectations are those two things. Right. Those are really hard to do on a theater. <laughs> You can't yeah. have the magic hand of Yana appear and be, you know, thing, I think is what the thing is in Adam's family. Oh, that's right. Values. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't have a, a silver glove up here and run around. How how are you doing that? How are these tricks? Are they? Those are spoilers, Kyle. Well, uh, <laughs> they're not. I mean, we yeah. all know they're going to happen. Right. But I, I want to know, like, have you, you've probably, you've given so much thought to mm-hmm. these two elements. Right. They're kind of the reason I wanted to do the show as well. Cool. Yeah. Because like I was saying, I don't, I'm not a happy girl musical kind of thing. I want to see stuff that I'm interested in. Yep. I'm not interested in Spring Awakenings. Like I'm not interested in Rent. I have a very, I don't like Rent. But anyways, so I'm not interested. You've already spent 525,600 minutes on Rent. We can spend a few minutes on Carrie. (laughs) We right. can feel something else for a change. Right. I fully exactly. agree. So, um, and then just the idea of the horror element and yeah. the the technical challenge of trying to bring that type of element to the stage is really appealing. So do you have people helping you with the technical side of that? Uh, is there anybody who came in involved? What is the, ch- how have you met that challenge? You don't necessarily have to tell me what you're doing on the stage yeah. if you don't want to. Sure. But it's, it is a challenge and the audience is going to see it. They're not mm-hmm. going to know 
the obstacles that you've overcome to get there. Right. What were those obstacles and who did you bring in to help you with that? I mean, a lot of the obstacles were, can we do the things I want to do in the space that we're going to be performing in? Beddington is not a fly house. So, you know, how are you going to do telekinesis in a uh, space that is not really built for flying people in and out? Right. So I originally, because, you know, it's community theater. So we kind of have like a small little special effects team. I am on that team because I was like, I am also a little bit of a control freak. Anybody who knows me who's listening to this is very surprised by that. It's myself and then uh, my set designer, Jamie Eastgard Ross, um, came on board and he's like, he wants to fly everything. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, I have also produced for Jamie and Jamie likes them big ass sets. So yeah, he wanted to fly a lot of stuff. And then my lighting designer, who I have not worked with in so long, but he came on board for Carrie, Jake Sunderland. The three of us got together. So when did that happen? Oh, a lot more recent than I'd care to admit. So you've had three artistic directors at FRC Mm -hmm. tell you yes to Carrie. (laughs) but not have it happen. Mm -hmm. And now you finally got, after having so many artistic directors tell you no to Carrie for so many years, Mm -hmm. now you've had three different people say yes, and it's finally coming coming into play. When did you get the yes for Carrie? For this one? For this one here that's happening right now. When did you finally confirm they said we want to do it and you said I'm in? I want to say October 2022. So a full year ago Mm -hmm. is when they came to you and said, this is what we're thinking about for the announcement for next year's show. Yeah. And then you started planning immediately. Yes. Because how can you not if you're <laughs> right. the director, right? right. Like, yeah. No, I mean, you said yes yeah. to the director. I mean, I'm not going to say it, it was everything I was doing, but like it was starting to, it was in my brain. <laughs> but I mean, we had challenges. Like, yes, I quit my job. I started finding people immediately. What? I've lived this show. Yeah, I, no. I mean, what was handy is that I kind of had been laid off from my job at that point. Oh, so wow. I had some time to kill. So did you put together the production team or did the producer put together the production team for Carrie? Mostly it was Jen Lancio. Okay. Well, I mean, and me reaching out to friends and people that I know. I I don't know if you've heard this, but like it's been a really big challenge to get people back to be on a team. So we don't say. Yeah, we definitely struggled with that. Yes. In fact, Jen's my producer and my musical director. Um, and, and, and splitting duties with, uh, Neil West doing orchestra conducting. So, and that was just because we couldn't find anybody. Plus I feel like Carrie might have a bit of a reputation. It really does. It does. So it has a, lot a of- reputation, it's a risk for anyone to put their name on this mm-hmm. to know like this could be a massive failing. Yeah. I don't believe there's even a remote chance of this failing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and getting back to your original question about why Carrie, I mean, that might be also part of it. Okay. Maybe there's a little uh, sadomasochism on my own part that I'm like, hmm, let's see what happens. Liking a challenge is not a bad thing. No. Because it gives you something to rise to. True. If it's just another walk down the street, you're not really growing as an individual. Mm -hmm. This show's making you grow. (laughs) Yes. In all sorts of ways. I think another reason why, like, I mean, the horror element aside, because I do love the horror elements and happily my lighting designer also agrees with me oh they have to they have to no they i sh- probably shouldn't have jake on my team and he shouldn't be on my team because we are they're gonna have to tell us to stop 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 with the horror stuff guys calm down 
yeah, like we probably should be supervised when we're talking about what we want to do on the show. But all of that element and challenge technically aside, another reason I wanted to do Carrie was because pretty much the main part of the cast are women. Yeah. Or females or... Yeah. And yeah. You, you know you're going to have auditioners that'll come out for that. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's that. But like a lot of theater and I mean, a lot of community theater, a lot of theater in general is is not so directed at women in a leading role, right? So Correct. like in this kind of sort of ensemble way, you always have the tenor. I mean, we have a tenor in our show too, but but it's usually driven that way. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah. My little feminist side of me, so... And also, it's just the way community theater is going. Mm-hmm. We are just not getting men to audition mm-hmm. for roles. No. So we needed to start finding shows that had more women in the parts. I totally. just finished Yeoman of the Guard, where I literally had to put women in male roles and put beards and mustaches on them because I did not have enough men come out for auditions. Mm. And also, the women are just better. Yeah. There's not enough men in community theater primarily Mm -hmm. but then because there's so many women in community theater there's a lot more talent it's true it's just even if you just look at like 10 percent of your actors out there are great actors and you have 300 women and 30 men that means you have three great men and you have 30 women you literally have as many great talented women actors and performers out there Mm -hmm. as as you do all of the men auditioning no it's true and i kind of wanted to showcase that right like i know like we have some talented talented folks in our community but what what i found kind of refreshing for me is that in my cast i only have one person i've ever worked with before oh wow the rest is completely new to me that's amazing yeah and they're all age appropriate yeah, because often you, you cast shows with teenagers and it's a 30 year old playing a 17 year old. I don't mind that so much. Honestly, I'd mm-hmm. rather age somebody up or age somebody down if I've got a person with the degree of talent that's mm-hmm. required. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be ageist about it, but I honestly think a lot of the reason a lot of teenagers get overlooked in roles for the 25 year old or the 30 year old is because the amount of work and experience that they've had, they can put themselves in that position mm-hmm. as opposed to just have to be that person right yeah getting back to um, male performers we had a lot of guys come out i mean oh, good. these are all uh or late teens early 20s because it's a high school show it so is. so i was really actually surprised by that so that was really refreshing and it, it's whole I, I don't know if it's making me hopeful that hopefully they'll stick around and they'll continue to try to get stuff and and be on shows because, yeah, there's definitely a dearth of men. It really is. Yeah. So uh, lacking in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to move back, <laughs> you've got the show. Yes. Got a plan. Jen Lancio, yeah. yourself, Neil West, mm-hmm. Jake Sunderland. You, that's the team that's built mm-hmm. right off the get-go, it sounds like? No. Um, we actually struggled getting people because a lot of this also happened very quickly because usually FRC's process is they select the show in the fall. They get everybody together after it's been announced, usually February, March. Then they do a call out and then we have like a big dinner party and with all the directors of the season. Yep. And then we pick our teams based on who submitted that didn't really happen because there was a lot going on. I think that was right in the time of Kinky Boots. I, I think they had the 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 dinner without me because we had already started auditions by that point. Right. So it was just it was just a lot of kind of scrambling trying to find people. I would reach out to people, be like, "Hey, do you want to do my show?" And it's like, "I'm really busy," or "This is going on," or "I'm getting married," or or what. So I'm in Norway. Yeah. I'm in Norway. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a bit of a challenge to. I mean, I 
it's like a little panicked. But then I had Danielle Demeray, who I did cabaret with. She was my choreographer. Recommend Bobby Jean DeBrook. Recommended her as a choreographer. She thought that uh, me and Bobby Jean would would connect really well. And uh, I think Jeremy reached out. Anyways, Bobby Jean and I met, and yeah, and immediately she came on board, and she's been just a delight to work with. Oh, that's wonderful. When did that happen? That happened... I want to say a week before auditions. Wow. Yeah. So, so we're really up against the gun yeah, here. I was panicked. Uh, had Jen panicked. said yes to being the musical director by this point as well? We were, ho- well, no, because we went through auditions and callbacks with Jen as our, she kept saying, I am just the temporary musical director. Right. But unfortunately, just everybody was either burnt out or not doing theater anymore. So Jen was like, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. But okay. she did an amazing job. So so how many meetings did you have with anybody at FRC before callbacks? One. Wow. Yeah. So really, this is all on you. I mean, I don't want to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, you're the director. You're the I one mean, with it's the always, vision. It's true. So you haven't had any opportunity to meet with anybody mm-hmm. to impart your vision. Yeah. Right. Correct. So you've had auditions. Lots of people looked like yeah. lots of people. Came yeah, we had for a auditions. really good turnout for Was sure. It like sixty people. At least, yeah, yeah, it must have been, yeah. It, we had a lot of people come out, which was really nice. It was really good because I was Amazing. super nervous about doing the show. So, right, yeah. It's, I mean, it's the first theater I've done since the pandemic. So there's a lot of like, oh, is this the right thing to do? So having having a really good response to the show and having really good turnout for auditions has been really, really, <laughs> really helpful. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm- I watched auditions happen Mm -hmm. and a couple of the people I know in the show were auditioning. So I was always rooting for them. So it was tough. I bet making your callback, even just callback decisions. It was a long discussion after callbacks. Cause how long? A couple hours at least. Wow. Yeah. I mean, some roles were like, no, it's this person like, or I did that. And then, you know, we'd have the discussions. Yeah. Yeah. No, some, some were very easy to cast. Yeah. Others less so. And so, when was the decision made to split Carrie between two actors? Actually, before going into callbacks. Even before callbacks? Yeah. So you basically had an idea of what you were looking at already. Mm-hmm. And we're like, if it's if, if these two people, these three people show up perfect, we'll, we'll ask them if they're interested. Or yeah. is it just because it's such a huge role for such a young person that you felt it would be best to have... And this, because FRC has been doing this more and more mm-hmm. and more lately, is splitting these roles up in a run. It was not so much about who. Yep. It was more living in a post-pandemic world. Right. You know, I think FRC has had a few instances where people were taken out because of illness. So it was, we didn't want the person whose name the show is to be one of those people. Right. It's also because it's a, it's a pretty heavy role. It's super heavy. Yeah. So the decision was made that like, let's, let's look at possibly splitting the role. Yeah. And I didn't want to go down the route of like, we'll cast one person and then the other person will just do like almost like an understudy situation where they would just do matinees because it is such a a lot of work, right? Yeah. I think it's a brilliant, wonderful, Mm. stupendous idea. I think it's brilliant on FRC's part. Yeah. Because you have the actors to support it. It's true. If you don't have the actors to support (laughs) it, you can't do it. Like When I did Yeoman, I had those people. Mm-hmm. I didn't have literally I would have had to step in 
to right. do any of the roles if somebody went down. <laughs> that I could not do that. <laughs> no. So that's nuts to think. Yeah. And so you've really, like, not only is it giving two talented actors an opportunity to both do the role, mm-hmm. but also protects FRC in case one of them is unable, the other is still there. And I get a, an extra ensemble member for when they're not on stage. Oh, so they will still be in the show yes, on the nights where it's not their turn. Yeah, they don't get, they don't time get the off. night off. Oh, no. I totally would have given them the <laughs> night off. Like, no, uh, I mean, I gave them the option. And they chose, of they, course, they chose. To... And of course, Alexa and Deidre are both going to be like, no, no, we want to be there. I totally. Wanna go, I wanna they want to be on stage they, the whole time. They want to bully each other. Give like me it's... the lights. <laughs> Uh, and it was funny because originally we were thinking I was considering of double casting Margaret as right? well. Yeah. But then and who's Margaret? Margaret White is Carrie's mom. Right. The other tentpole role. I mean, yeah. really, you're playing the big bad guy. Is she, though? I feel like. Uh, so, again, you can. <laughs> that That's the one of the great things that you get to do as a director yeah. is paint the scenes mm-hmm. how you wish. I would have put her as the bad guy. She is. I mean, yeah. she's definitely not like. Yeah, she's definitely one of the antagonists. Absolutely. Doesn't have very much stage time, which nope. is kind of interesting about that role. Yeah. So originally I was looking at that because it is such a, she's a bit of a beast. Like Margaret is a heavy role. Just yeah. like, probably heavier than Carrie, honestly. And so I was looking at cast, double casting it. But then I thought about it. It's it's a lot because it's one of the adult roles. Yeah. We can't exactly throw that other person in as an ensemble member as a teenager. So I was like, it's a lot to ask someone yeah. to spend a lot of time in rehearsal and then only get half the shows when, yeah. A- and also, we hardly ever see Lindsay. Right? Lindsay Patterson is yeah. our oh, Margaret. What a great choice. Uh, yeah, she's, I love Lindsay so, so much. So why do you think the mom role is is so hard? I think because she's a kind of a paradox a little bit, Margaret. Yeah. On one hand, you have this woman who is very devout in her faith. She loves her daughter, but then she abuses the hell out of this kid. Yep. Sort of it for the same reason that she loves herself or loves her daughter and because of her devout religion. Right. Like Lindsay's doing some stuff that I know is probably very counterintuitive to Lindsay. Yeah. As a, as just as Lindsay. Uh, I mean I I'm saying that I don't know if that's actually true, but you know, she's basically abusing her kid. Right. So I would wager it's a pretty difficult place to get to headspace wise. I would think so. Yeah. Carrie's not hard because Carrie's just reacting. Yeah. She's not really planning to do these things. No. They just happen. Mm -hmm. Her mom is intentional Mm -hmm. and it's not a reaction. It is a choice. It is a choice. For a deliberate outcome. Right. How have you worked with Lindsay to keep Lindsay safe yeah. in that. We have brought on an intimacy director. Nice. Who's that? Uh, Anastasia St. Armand. Isn't she a delight? She's delightful. So we, we did bring on intimacy director and mostly to work with my younger cast, just because that's an important part of this sort of journey. It's It's making your actor feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable to step into a headspace that may be so counterintuitive to who they are and giving them tools to then step out of that headspace and leave that person on stage so that they don't take Margaret home or or Chris home. Put so, the mask on, take the mask off. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of with Margaret, it's been weird because Lindsay and I actually haven't had a lot of time together. 
Interesting. Because she's got maybe four scenes in the whole show. Yeah. And because we do have quite a large ensemble, like a lot of the scenes have many people on stage. So it's mostly been the kids that have been showing up. Our adults really kind of get some time off. I mean, when they show up, they're aces. But when we do talk about Margaret, it's very like Lindsay gets this role. So you brought in Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got your lighting person. You've done callbacks. You've decided this is the cast. What has happened between then and now? I have such a young cast. Yeah. Oh my, God. my cast is wonderful. I could go on for hours about my cast, but I have never worked with a young cast. So even when I did Dogfight, which was technically supposed to be teenagers, they, they were all older. Right. Um, and Cabaret, certainly. I think we had one teenager and it was barely, I think he was 18. So I've never worked with a 13-year-old. I've never worked with a 15-year-old. And we have a couple, like, well, we have one 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. Wow. And most of my cast are in their early, late teens, early 20s. Wow. Uh, they're so full of energy. I am not. So it's <laughs> it's it's the best thing about my cats so far is how collaborative they are. Sometimes I found in my brief, you know, time as as directing, sometimes actors just try to give you what they think you want. And I'll be like, no, I think you should do this. And then they'll automatically stick to that point and continue doing it, even if it's not really working. Yeah. But this cast is sensitive and and sort of understands enough to collaborate with me when we're doing scenes like I'll be like how does that feel like is that good for you and there and you know a lot of actors would be like yeah no it's great it's good they will straight up tell me like no that's a terrible idea it's not working <laughs> like I had an idea during the song carry that I just we just blocked it a couple a little while ago and I was like hey like I'm thinking this and it's kind of like an Ava Perone moment and everybody in the room was like that is a terrible idea we are that is just no so my cast keeps me honest <laughs> and That's on wonderful. my toes. So, um, no, we're uh, since we we cast the show, we they learned all their music. They started doing choreo, and then with this show, it's a bit of those weird. It's one of those shows where the choreo and the blocking are all intermixed together. So, yeah. we were doing World According to Chris. I think was the first scene or choreo we're gonna do. So, Bobby Jean did the choreo. I hadn't blocked it yet. And there's a lot of inter uh, like dialogue between characters where they are dancing, 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 and then they stop and have a scene and dancing, dancing, dancing. So Bobby Jean choreographed it. It was beautiful. It was great. Then I came in and made her change the whole thing. Right. As you do. Yeah. So it's been a challenge sort of trying to figure out like how collaborative we can be and how, you know, when I need to be like, no, Bob Jean, like, you got this. I am not going to interject anything. Or she's like, oh, like, maybe no choreo for this number. You know, that kind of thing. So it's just right. like, because it's so interconnected, it's been kind of, it's been a good challenge, but it's been a lot too. So, yeah. Yeah, that does sound like a big challenge. In that regard, are there things that you're hoping, especially from the choreography, that the audience might not necessarily see because they're just watching the big picture. They're only ever going to get to see this once. Right. Is there anything that you're like, anyone listening to this when they're watching the show mm-hmm. would have a little bit of a snippet to see that might Im- you know, impress and wow and f- they'll see something that 
other people might not get a chance to. Wow. Because that's one of the things I note too. Yeah. When I go see my own shows, I'm not really looking for stuff I'd blocked over there. It's that tiny little moment yeah. that I blocked over here that no one ever really gets a chance to see mm. unless they're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that's, you know, the, that's their loved one and they're watching their loved one right. in the show and they get to see that moment. Otherwise, they don't. Yeah. Anything like that happening? I think there were a lot of moments with Sue, who's played, she's the narrator of the show. Okay. Played by Kiana King that are just really subtle because Sue's Sue's got the really unenviable task of trying to narrate the hell out of this thing. Right. And it's done so in such a way that is it reality? Is it just Sue's trauma? Like it's so it's <laughs> very complicated. Yeah. But there's just sometimes there's these little moments when we're in rehearsal that I can kind of see Sue and see sort of she doesn't have to say anything. Yeah. And it's just this quiet, tiny little character moment. That's amazing. So keep your eye out for Sue. Well, no, keep your eye out for everybody. Well, right, but you might not necessarily be it's noticing true. it. Yeah. So try to keep, like, watch, take yeah. in the whole thing, but keep your eye out for Sue. Yeah. I'll also bring in, because in my research for Carrie, Uh-oh. I realized as I was reading the synopsis and following along mm-hmm. that there's a lot of similarities between Carrie and Hamlet. <laughs> and I asked you this before we... we took on i said i'm gonna ask you this question is this show just hamlet in disguise and i honestly think it is primarily yeah because of the role of sue sue is essentially horatio mm-hmm. pseudo kind of friend to mm-hmm. hamlet like hamlet's best friend even though rosencrantz and gildenstern are supposedly his two best buddies horatio's is his good friend that rides the whole coattails of that mm-hmm descent into madness that he plays up and then kind of succumbs to and then at the very end of hamlet everyone is dead except for sue slash horatio like (laughs) everyone is dead it's true there is a body count in this show a big body count. i cannot wait for this body and sue (laughs) is one of the people standing there at the end of the day alive i mean you make valid points maybe it is maybe maybe that's maybe i'm gonna have to redo my director's note <laughs> <laughs> but it's like is this show just hamlet in disguise how, how do you feel on that question because when you asked me it originally i was like no what is he talking about but maybe because you're right like especially the sue character yeah and horatio when you think of Claudius mm-hmm. and Horatio's mom mm-hmm. like they're both so terrible to Hamlet to Hamlet Hamlet's yeah. mom and King Claudius yeah. are so terrible to him that he has to pretend madness yep. to kind of get away from it yeah and he's definitely bullied there's that whole Laertes moment here which I can definitely equate to and then there's the but big were there fights. tampons there were no tampons no and uh <laughs> and of course they're not the same thing at all but there's uh, some remarkable similarities between Hamlet and Carrie that are actually just cliche tropes that right uh, you know terrible parent who you need to get out from under because we all need to uh, overthrow our parents in Mm -hmm. order to attain adulthood right that's hamlet that's carrie well then that in that regard then i think perhaps because carrie in a lot of ways and perhaps our friend hamlet it's a coming of age story then right both of them yeah okay great yeah carrie's totally hamlet hamlet's totally carrie (laughs) love it (laughs) I have to figure out to get how to get a skull on set. On set. A skull, a yeah. Yorick, a, oh uh, and then a play within a play. Those things, yeah. those are always wonderful things to add in. But I love Easter eggs. So who knows what might happen? And that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> so that you can start to mention the things that you've already snuck into the show that you're really excited about. Yeah. So 
we talked about the things that the audience might not get to see. You right. might not notice Sue. Right. You might not notice Kiana doing all of this extra work mm-hmm. and you should kind of keep your eye out for it. Yeah. What are things that you know the audience is, is, is going to see and you're super excited about that you've made your mark on the show? With the look of the show. Yeah. When I was talking to my set designer and my lighting designer and my sound designer, Danny White... I didn't want it to be like a, oh, here we are, we're in a stations, you know, set. Here's the white house, white bungalow, and this is, you know, bring in all this crap for for set change or whatever. Because you never know if it's a real situation or if it's just Sue's memory or like it's very. So the idea is to keep things really having movement. Yeah. Keep it moving. Don't lose the audience's interest. Because there's nothing worse than a a set change. A long set change. Oh, my God. Um, and Persuasion ha- yeah. has terrible, oh. terrible sw- uh, scene changes. Mm-hmm. Things like from a sitting room mm-hmm. to now you're in a carriage being pulled by a horse and how do we make that happen? Yeah. And I will say that Workshop Theater, when they did it before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I feel like 2019, 2018, when Workshop did it, they interjected that the people making the scene changes, because they were taking like upwards of three minutes oh was God. one of the scene changes. The characters then talked about the scene that just happened as though they were the servants in the previous scene and just watched it. And so they would like <laughs> snipe at each other and then they would move a thing and then they'd say, oh, that's not supposed to go there. And then they would like argue with each other while the scene change was happening. And that made it enjoyable yeah. for something that was that felt interminable. It, like it would yeah. never end. And that's a thing in Carrie. There are some massive scene changes in this show that go like quick that you need to like and now we're suddenly in this other place Mm -hmm. so is that going to be done with lights and there's darkness projections we're and you know there's maybe some stuff that will get dropped i don't know but yeah no it 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 had the potential of being ridiculous and i'm like i'm not going to do that to my audience there's no way like everybody hates watching a set change unless it's like on a revolve, and unfortunately, I couldn't get a revolve. No revolve. No revolve. This is going to be my ask. I like, want is a, there revolve. a revolve. I no. love to have a theater with a revolve <sighs> in the community theater space. Oh, that's so good. There were so many things that we just cannot do because we're stuck at Beddington in the pump house. And if we just had something modern mm-hmm. in this 1.5 million person city for a community theater, mm-hmm. we deserve it. Um, and we're just never going to get it. No, no. Never say never, but history has showed us. Uh, it's it's going to be someone with a labor of love. Yeah, and um, a lot like of a, money. <laughs> like a Victor Mitchell, mm-hmm. you know, or a... Joyce Doolittle. Or a Joyce Doolittle mm-hmm. that's going to have to step up to do this because um, we're never going to get it otherwise. Nah. Um, I just haven't met that person. <laughs> no, I would like to meet that person. Originally, we were not going to do a lot of projections in the show. And then I kind of had a a brain flip, I guess. So the light went off that like, no, maybe I should lean into that. I'm a person who doesn't really like projections in terms of like using them for storytelling. Right. I like practical. I'm yeah. kind of also like with CGI. I know it has its place. I very much like to see the head explode. I don't want to <laughs> see it done with CGI. So for me, I was really resistant to the idea of projections for a really long time. And then in talking with Jake, my lighting designer, we just kind of got talking about the things we could do. Yeah. In terms of like little things like during the prom, we're going to have some fun visually. That's been basically my challenge almost for the entire time we've been talking about Carrie. It's my challenge is to set special effects, uh, lighting, sound, all of it. I'm like, you. we need to make sure that this is 
what people are expecting and perhaps more than what they're expecting. Right. Because there's nothing worse than a show that is has a very specific thing you're looking for from a show and for have that sh- that show not to deliver that thing. Right. This show has tentpole moments. Mm-hmm. And you have to deliver on those, Christine. If you don't deliver those. on those, people are going to be like, why did I come to see this? I know. Well, and, so. and this is the thing, too, is that like, you know, and just talking to people about the show and whether or not they're excited about the show, there are some people in theater that are not excited about the show. Right. Um, and who are like, nah, I'm not going to see it. It's not my kind of thing. And cool. Like, I get it. I totally understand. But shouldn't they still come see it? Like, that person should still come see this show. I think so. But, you know, people have their things they don't like. Adjust your expectations. <laughs> you know, you may not yeah. like lemon meringue pie right now, mm-hmm. but I bet you five years from now, you should try it again. And you Maybe. may you may find some things you like in it. It's true. This show is going to have that. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's funny because, I mean, I used to hate musical theater. Yeah. And now that's all I do. So, <laughs> um, although I did say, I did say recently, I'm like, I'm going to do a play next and see how that goes. But then it's like, oh, but then it's all on me. But right. no, I, you know, so I've had a lot of people say like, eh, I don't know, carry the musical. Doesn't, it's not really up my, up my alley. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. But what I am hoping. What is their alley? This should actually, this, this is the alley. Like, Well, it's because some people, you know, they're squeamish about violence or they're squeamish about supernatural stuff. I don't know. They're worried about language. Those people all went and saw Adam's Family Values. What? All but that's of those a comedy that's billed as a comedy though. But it still has all of the same things to it. Yeah. It's just with a different lens. Yep. You will find you will appreciate Carrie if you liked Adam's family values. Yep. You're going to find different things to enjoy and appreciate and talk about afterwards. Totally. But what I'm kind of excited about for anybody who's like, oh, I don't know. I have a lot of friends who are not theater people right. at all. They don't understand why I do it. I mean, they understand why I do it, but they're just, it's just so, they're more movies or they're, they've got their own thing. Very excited because they're horror fans. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that people who like horror movies who are like, Carrie has a musical? Because I've had a lot of people be like, what? That's a thing? Yeah. They will come and see. Not because necessarily I'm like, oh, it's going to be the greatest show you'll ever see on stage. It's because sometimes, you know, you need, and it certainly is true in my case, you need sort of a gateway to get you into theater and see what theater is all about and see what, especially community theater, what community theater can do. Because there's always this idea that it's like a $50 show and like it's people that don't really know how to act or sing or dance or whatever. And the truth is, is we have such a talented pool of human beings, both on stage and behind the stage. Absolutely. That I want, all of these horror nerds or people who are not necessarily theater people, quote unquote, yep. to maybe come in and see the amazing stuff that we can do as a community. That's kind of like, that's that's my hope for Carrie. That and like, I just want people to like the show. <laughs> exactly. So what are people going to take away from Carrie? What What is the message of Carrie and that I mean, you've been wanting to do this for years. So basically, you want people to see something on stage and have an effect because yeah. we don't we shouldn't do theater if there isn't an impact on the audience themselves. Absolutely. They need to have been changed by the experience. Right. What is the change that we're hoping to get out of the audience from having seen 
Carrie the Musical. For a long time, I was because I was thinking about this because a lot of the themes about Carrie are obviously about trauma and abuse and bullying and all that kind of revenge. I guess it's a little bit of a revenge, revenge tale. I think for me, if I had to have anybody take anything away, is that the person you believe is the hero is sometimes the villain. Oh, okay. And I think that goes like uh, well beyond theater. Like it's that whole thing like you're always somebody, you're always the villain in someone else's story. Right. That's kind of how I feel about Carrie. Interesting. Yeah. Great. I cannot <laughs> wait to see it from that lens. Like I want to go into this looking for that, mm-hmm. you know, as the question that's being asked throughout the show. And at the end of it, the answer to that question, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want you to tell me, but right. I want to have had that conversation with myself i hope you have that conversation yeah well i'm looking forward to that <laughs> like it's a it's a massive thing yeah. to think about you're you know you are the villain in someone else's story you are the hero in someone else's story those two things are oftentimes mm-hmm. flips of the same coin mm-hmm. and i'm looking forward to that a great deal yeah is there anything else you want to tell us about carrie it opens in September, on September 15th, and it runs until the 30th. And our carries, which are uh, Deidre Mitchell and Alexa Jobs, are flipping each day. So you have to come and see it twice. <laughs> because actually, I mean, I should speak to this. Their delivery is completely different. Of course it should I mean, be. it it also helps that there's a quite a different size difference between Deidre and Alexa. Right. Alexa's quite tall and and Deidre's quite... Yeah, um, Alexa petite. is almost six foot tall. Yes, she is very And Deidre tall. is... I want to say five two. Yeah. So because they both come at the character from such a very different place, right? It's been kind of amazing, difficult, but difficult for me as a director, being like, "Oh, right now you have to do the scene. <laughs> no, now you have to." So like the rehearsal wow. process, because we always have to double it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and it's and how they interplay between either of them and Chris, who's played by Willow Willow Martins or Sue. Um, and just how that sort of comes together. Because for me, characters and that is, I mean, the music and, and the choreo is fine. But for me, it's all about the character development, right? right? That interplay, that yeah. interchange, how their counterparts on stage even react to them mm-hmm. is going to be very different. Yeah. Just based on the fact that there are two different performers. Totally. So yeah, everybody has to see it twice. <laughs> also, it's very interesting working with such a younger cast that I found is that because we all know in community theater, a lot of people who are doing community theater are theater kids, right? Like we're all kind of come from that same, we either like to perform or we like to make things. Like in my case, it's definitely, I, I do not perform. I like to just make things, make art, tell stories that way. I've really enjoyed the generational difference, I think, between myself, who's Gen X and Zoomers, and just how sensitive they are as as a group not not in a overly sensitive way right not in a negative way not in, in a, a negative positive way, way. their because, sensitivity is what's helping you as a director yeah when you're like have your ava perone moment and you're like that's not what this is <laughs> it's true yeah um like just for an example there's some of the even though it came out in 2012 some of the language in the show is eh, it's a little dated right or it's no longer politically correct or yeah. it's, it's different so it's always like do we have to Carl, call Carrie the R word, or can right. we change it? And yeah. and I mean, I was like, yeah, absolutely, we'll change it. Um, because it's it's like supposed to be improv. So just that you know, you have someone who's fifteen coming to me, being like, hey, I'm not comfortable with this, and they feel comfortable doing speaking it, up, which I love. Which like as another Gen Xer, I would never have done. No. I was told to say that. That's what I get to say. I don't have a choice in this. Absolutely. So that 
yeah, they're just amazing that way. And uh, and they're all all like that. Yeah. So it's been kind of a gift that way and made my job a lot easier. Oh, you couldn't you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah. To make your job easier. Yes. I mean, they make my job easier. The tech the tech is not going to be easy, but that's no. OK. It's a challenge that I can't wait to do. And you're going to so. be there every night because you're part of that team or? Uh, no, I'm designing a lot of oh, you're this. Designing <laughs> it and then a lot of the ensemble will be managing some of that piece or is uh, there tech people that are going to uh, be managing? No, it'll probably be our stage management team. We have okay. actually a, like a little army. Who's that? My stage manager is uh, Janusz Zeller, who people might know. And he has a team of, I want to say, three ASMs. Okay. And then we might be doing a call out for running crew as well, depending on what we need. It's just, yeah, it's a lot of tech. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's good. How big is the cast? The cast is, I believe, 17, 18. 17, but 18. 17, 18, yeah. It's a big cast. That's a big cast for me because my first show had 12 and then Cabaret only had 14. So So this is a big step up from that. Oh, it's, yeah, it's large. I don't. That's amazing. Ensemble is like, I'm like, I don't know what to do with ensemble. (laughs) You stand there. You stand there and across. (laughs) But I mean, my ensemble has been great. We have a couple cast members who are unnamed ensemble. They're just clearly ensemble. But we, they all have names now. I made my cast. I'm going to, I'm creating what I've lovingly called the Carrie murder board, where we sort of map out all of the interactions and how everybody sort of their social dynamics within the show. And and I'm hoping to actually create a murder board for them and maybe hang it in the green room. Hopefully I'll get that that done before before tech week. But yeah, so it's, yeah, it's been a a big, a very good experience thus far. So as my first one coming back. I'm blown away. Yeah. And you gentle listener should also be absolutely blown away. I don't know if you've listened too thoroughly over the last hour to the passion that Christine has had for this project and that you could really call it a passion project, having worked and tried to get this show mounted by FRC for like eight years now, 2015 to now. Mm -hmm. That's a long, long time to have been submitting this show. So you can tell already that Christine is extremely passionate and dedicated to this project. Christine's done a lot of community theater in Calgary and knows her stuff. Not only that, but she's surrounded herself with people who are equally passionate and dedicated to this show. On September 15th, you're going to get to see Spectacle. Mm. And whether or not you say Carrie the musical is not up my alley or I'm not super interested in a bunch of blood on stage or this sort of high school yada yada I'd rather just watch the 1970s movie you should push that person inside of you into the street into traffic and just go see the show because what you're going to see is 18 17 performers out on the stage giving their all 100% of the time. They've worked so hard, 10, 15 hours of rehearsals every week. And that's just in the physical space, let alone the stuff that they're doing at home and on the side. The choreographer has done an amazing job of working with Christine (laughs) to find all of these moments to bring the stage to life. I cannot, cannot uh, express how much I personally have interested in seeing this show and I don't like Carrie. (laughs) 
but I'm seeing things in this show that make me excited and interested in the production of it itself. There are 30 plus people involved in bringing this show to life who've given it their time and their dedication. Is that not worth 20 odd bucks and two hours of your time? Mm -hmm. I can't help but say yes. And you need to hustle down to Beddington and see this show. Mm -hmm. It is only going to exist for a small, brief period in time. And Christine has not nearly shared half of the funny, amazing, interesting struggles and fun things that have happened in the creation of this show. And that's okay. But find an opportunity to get to Christine on social media or chat with her in person and you'll find out some of these things once you've seen it. You can be like, yeah, I really did see Sue and I liked all the things that were happening because I wasn't really looking at her and I now saw these things that Keanu was doing. That's going to be something that's just going to live with you and change you as we talked about in this. If I have anything else that I could possibly say about Carrie, it's that I'm interested in seeing it and I think that should be enough. Thanks for listening.